0: Um, last week we t- kicked off a series where we were taking a look at the book, The Ten Second Rule. I hope that you guys uh, picked up a copy of a very practical book that I believe is very challenging and very convicting. Um, not that you go deep theological, theologically with it, uh, but very practically. And I think sometimes the application becomes much more convicting at times for me because it's easy to kind of hide behind words at times. It's easy to kind of hide behind you know certain precepts and things like that but when it comes down to uh being asked the question okay are you doing it show me tell me show me where you where this is where this is evident in your life that can become very very much more challenging Luke 9:23 and we're calling this series uh DCK which literally means deny carry and follow and in Luke 9 um, chapter Luke 9 uh, verse 23 and this is where it comes from Jesus turns to, to these people to follow him and throughout Luke there's or throughout Luke there's about three different uh, times where Jesus turns to the people that's following him and they say and he says to them hey if you're going to be my disciple if you're going to follow me this is what this looks like and there was a lot of times when he would turn and he would say that many people would say you know what I can't do this if you remember one time uh, Jesus uh, was talking to, to the people that were following him. And he started talking about uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And they had no clue what he was saying. They had no understanding to the point where they were like, this is crazy. We're not going to follow this guy. This guy's kind of cuckoo, right? And they're like, we can't do that. But Jesus was just spelling it out. And, and, and that's the same message that he has for us today. is If you're going to follow me, this is what it looks like. The problem is a lot of times we want to follow Jesus, but we want to define what that looks like. And and as the author was here a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and we've read in the... Uh, if you've been reading the book, it's already been stated, to follow Jesus, it, it becomes an inconvenience at times. Uh, because it just doesn't coincide a lot of times with with kind of where we are going or where uh, what we're kind of saturated with the, the ideology that we're saturated with as we live in this world. And Jesus is reminding us once again follow me, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Some of you are doing that. Some of you sitting in here this morning, hands down, you've got it. When it comes to, to denying self, to picking up your cross and following Him, you've been doing that for years. It's something that you don't take for granted. It's something that you understand, you work at. It's, it's something that you spend time uh, in the Word of God, and, and you spend time developing and continuing to nurture that relationship with God. There are others in here, this, and I think God's wanting to say to you, He's wanting to encourage you this morning. To say, keep on keeping on, keep on keeping on, because as we live in this this, this fleshly shell, it, it, it can become discouraging at times, as you may know. Some of us in here this morning, God's leaning out to, kind of leaning into us and saying, you need to step it up. You say that you're following me, but it's all on your terms. You know, you say that you're following me, but really what we're doing here is you're kind of dating me. You're courting me. And you're kind of just checking me out. You're not really ready to take that next step. And Jesus is saying to us, to uh, those of us uh, possibly in this this, uh, situation, Jesus is telling us this morning, it's time to make a commitment. It's time to, to, to take a step over the line. It's time to begin to really deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Him. And that's what this book is really more or less about and so in luke 9 23 he says and he said to all if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me i want to be very clear i don't believe jesus is saying this is a three-tiered process you know where we can say well i'm on denying myself right now and well i'm over here on follow this is all encompassing it's not like i don't think it's something you can pick apart and say well i'm here but i'm not there yet Jesus is saying, this is what it means to be my disciple. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to follow, to follow him. And as I shared with you last week, the biggest travesty, the biggest red flag is, uh, and, and, and I agree with the author of the book that I read this from, we tend to make that one scripture where Jesus says, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and very narrow is the gate that leads to true life. We tend to make that, we tend to kind of modify the words of that. We have our own translation of that that says this. Wide is that gate to salvation. I mean, yes, wide is that gate. Come on, walk right through this gate. That's all it's required. Just kind of walk through this gate, that salvation, and then narrows that gate if you want to continue on and become more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That is a translation that comes from humanity, right? The fallenness of mankind. Jesus said, "Broad is that gate that leads to destruction. There are a lot of people that's going to go through that gate, but they're not going to find that narrow gate that leads to true life. And that comes from denying oneself. Remember, if we're not denying, if we're not uh, denying ourselves, or if, if we if if we are not following Christ, if we're not uh, denying ourselves, we are uh, pretty much self-seeking. Here, we're pretty much." You just it's all about ourselves, and we have to be very careful about that. And pick up our cross daily and follow Him. It's hard, though. I get that it's hard. I'm not standing here saying that this is something that, that comes super easy to every, to, to all of us, or, or that there's going to be a point where we, where perfection comes, and it's like every, and we're not going to struggle with it at times. I'm not going, I'm not saying that at all. First John tells us this in uh, chapter two, verse sixteen. He says this: For all that is in the world. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. Guys, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where we are bombarded daily with an ideology that is not Christ. We live in a world where we are influenced with philosophies that are hollow, as as Paul would talk, uh, as Paul would write. We live in a world that, that where philosophies are hollow, they don't lead to Christ. They are far from it. We live in a world that is the antithesis of the life that Jesus is asking us to live, or Jesus is offering us saying, you can have life and you will find life to the fullest, but it's not going to come from the empty idol, or the empty hollow philosophies of the world. We are bombarded that with, on a daily basis. Holy, the more young we are, it seems like the, the things have just changed. Those of you that are sitting in here that are older, those of you that are sitting in here that are of the generation of the what, the builder generation you in your 70s, 80s, whatever, there's I bet if we sat down and talked, some of you would say, I never thought in a million years I would ever see or hear this take place. I bet you would say that. I bet you would say, when I was growing up back in the day, we had prayer in school. We had certain things that, 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 where the church was more central part of our lives. And it's not that way anymore. Things have vastly changed. We will argue about things like that. We will say, well, you don't have to go to church you know, to, to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church to have salvation. And I'm kind of scratching my head as I, as I shared with the class this morning. I'm scratching my head thinking, well, why wouldn't you want to? What's the disconnect? Why is it that you don't have the desire to join together with other people and worship God? Why is it that you don't have a deep desire inside of you where you would lift up other people that are going through some very horrific times and you're surrounding them in prayer and lifting them up? What is it that we don't like that? What is it about that that we say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a part of that. That's an inconvenience to my life. We're bombarded with that message on a daily basis. And some of us, it influences us in a very powerful way. And things of God, church, things like that are optional now. Very, very optional. If I don't have anything better to do, or if it doesn't conflict with my schedule, then I'll I'll come, I'll attend, I'll serve, I'll be a part of this group, or I'll do this, but if I've got something that's going to inconvenience that, I can't do this. And we will give up or we will dismiss the things that has to do with the church and then we wonder why our lives are so frustrating at times and we live in states of conflict so much could it be that we're not understanding what Luke said, or what Jesus said in Luke that says deny yourself deny yourself and, and like I said, that's what we're bombarded with on a daily best basis. As we go out, as we leave this church today, we, you are going to be bombarded with making choices of how you're going to live your life. You're going to be bombarded of how you're going to live your life. What does it mean to you? Are you going to be a person that denies, that carries and follows? Listen to what, listen to what Paul says about it back in his day. And he talks about this this humanness that he had, uh, found in Romans chapter 7 verses 21 through 23. And this is out of the message translation. He says this, I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. How many of us sitting in here this morning, if we would be truly honest, we could say, you know what? Amen, Paul. That's exactly how I feel at times. There's times where, man, I get, you know, I, 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 I put my mind to it and I want to spend time with God, reading his word and praying, and then the next thing you know, a couple of weeks went by and we haven't done anything. And we feel horrible. And not horrible that we haven't been spending time with God, although we may, but horrible in a sense we don't really know what we just feel horrible inside. Could it be that, that, that by sacrificing, by, by this flesh taking over, that it actually sabotages what life is really all about? And Paul's saying. I, Paul's saying, I experienced that too. He would later go on in that in that whole chapter and talk about the things I know what to do, but the things I, I, I know to do, I don't do. And the things that I know not to do, those are the things I do. And he, and he just lays it out there and he's so frustrated and he says, what is going to save me? And he says, praise God, it's Jesus Christ. It's the Gospel. It's denying self. It's carrying the cross. And it's following after Jesus. Guys, that's the struggle we live in that's the struggle we live in that is the that is the dichotomy that is the paradox that is the that is the conflict that we face on a daily basis who are we going to live our lives for ourselves or for jesus now i want to share with you as we were if you've been reading in the 10 second book the the 10 second rule uh he talks about these things called dueling voices and you know how it is, it's like, you know, when, when we're, uh, when we see certain needs and things like that, and, and quickly a thought will pass through us that, that you know, and, and it's, it could very well be the Holy Spirit saying, I need you to step over here and, to, and, and help this person in need. And as soon as we think it, as soon as we think it, there's these voices that come behind it and start sabotaging that particular thought of why we shouldn't do that or why we can't do it. Our hearts, are kind of there, We, you know, we kind of want to do it, but then immediately following we have this rationale or this litany of excuses of why, or reasoning, a rationale of why we can't get involved in that situation right now. Let me share with you very quickly, and we could go through the Bible, you could pick many stories out. One of the stories that I want to share with you was a sto- is a story uh, found in John chapter 4. So if you would turn there with me. I want to I wanna, uh, take a look at this story. And I want to identify some of these dueling voices that could have taken place in this particular situation and then how we can deal with that and, and prevent that from taking place within our lives. And so in John chapter four, if you would turn there. We're going to kind of skim some of these verses here. So in John chapter four, we read about this story often, if you got a heading in your Bible, it might say Jesus and the woman of Samaria, it might say the woman at the well, uh, whatever it is. It's this story where Jesus ministers to this woman, uh, in the midday at, at, at the well. This foreigner, actually, uh, this, this foreign woman at this well. And so, the, the, the issue, what's taking place is, their disciples are going to a certain location, and they, it, there's a place, there was a town, which we'll get into here in a few moments, a town called Samaria. The, they, the Jews would always walk around. They would never go through Samaria, ever. Uh, and, and we'll get to that here in a few moments. Uh, but, so, uh, the, di- the disciples go in to get some food real quick. Jesus sits down, starts talking to this woman. If you pick it up in verse, what is that, seven, it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away uh, into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it, is it that a Jew ask, a, ask for a drink for me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it, is that it, who it is, that is that it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob he gave us a well and a drink from it and drank from it himself as as did his sons and his livestock Jesus said to her everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up in uh, up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me that water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come draw or have to come here to draw water. In verse 16 Jesus said to her go call your husband and come and go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him I have no husband. Jesus said to her you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true or what you've said is true. The woman said to him sir I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you say that in Jerusalem That Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So Jesus goes. This whole story could be perceived as uh, as having dueling voices. Okay? His disciples go in. They buy some food. Right? So Jesus sits. It's midday. It's midday. It's at the hottest point of the day. Jesus sits down at this well. Okay? As he's sitting there, as we read, this woman comes. None, no one ever came to draw water through the middle of the day because it was so stinking hot. Okay, this woman did. Why do you think this woman came to draw water in the middle of the afternoon? Because she was an outcast. Okay, she was an outcast. As you read there, she said, "Jesus says, go get your husband and let's have a conversation." She says. Uh, well I don't have a husband. He says, you know, you're exactly right. You've got, you've had five and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. She gets a little nervous about where he's going with this conversation, right? She switches the topic and says, hey, where do we worship at? Where's the right place to worship? Do you notice that shift in focus? Let's get it off me because this guy's, he, she says, it's very clear that you're a prophet. Let's talk about worship now, right? Because you're coming in a little bit too close, just like you and I do at times, right? When Jesus starts coming in close to us, it's like, whoa, hang on a second. Let's not get too personal here, Jesus. You know, let's not start to identify things that are really personal to me. Let's just uh, hang on here a second. And, and we try to switch topics. And so this woman comes, she's drawing water. Jesus has this conversation with her. Now, the interesting part about all of this is, uh, number one, this woman is an outcast. She's coming. She would have been ostracized because of her... Um, behavior, her lifestyle. And so she came in the middle of the day so she didn't have to face other women, other people. and that. So she would come so she could be by herself. The interesting part of all this too is that Jesus is talking to a woman. In that culture, that was a major taboo. A guy never talked to a woman like this. Ever. A Jew on top of that would never talk to a Samaritan woman. It's like a I mean, we've got all kinds of taboos being violated right here. Alright? The Samaritans was a group of people... Now, if you go back real quick, and I don't want to lose anybody. Hang in here with me a second. The Samaritans was a town that developed from back in the Old Testament days... When they got conquered by, when the northern tribes got conquered by Assyria. Assyria came in and what they did, they started taking certain people out of certain families and interna, interracially or internationally or interculturally mixing, mixing them. So they would take a Jewish woman and pair up with an Assyrian man or whatever and create this, create this, 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 this family that became not pure blood or pure bread, however you want to say it. Modern de- or With Jews now, in Jesus' time, they hated Samaritans because they weren't fully Jewish. They were half-breeds, if we could say that. Very derogatory. Now you can understand why a pure Jew would never, ever, ever walk through Samaria. It was unclean. You would never do that. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman in the middle of the afternoon that's an outcast, that has a lifestyle that is completely unacceptable to her, her the, the, the others around there, and that's why she's there. She's a woman, and on top of that, she's a Samaritan woman. Now, can you understand like some of the dueling voices that would be taking place, it, especially if the disciples were still around? The disciples went in and got some food. They come out. They kind of look at the situation. We don't really read a lot about their thoughts, but you can only imagine what they were thinking. Why is he talking to a woman? This is so against our culture. Why is he talking to this woman that is very unclean? She's a Samaritan woman. Why is she? Why is he doing this? And these dueling voices, you, you, you can imagine all these dueling voices that could take place. And so, it, just like you and I, this is exactly the stuff that happens with you and I on a daily basis. We go out, we live in our world. We see a situation where God says, I want you to get involved. And automatically what can happen, we start having these dueling voices that says, wait a second, hang on a second. And we start making judgment calls. We start thinking about it. We start saying, well, this is why I can't do this, 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 and this. Some, some of us can just pure, right out, judge someone. And say, this is why I can't get involved with this person because of this, this, and this. They don't, I mean, they don't deserve whatever. I mean, we are really casting shame and judgment on another person. So there's various reasons of why these dueling voices will come up in our minds. Fear is another one. Fear will oversweep us. Fear will overtake us when God says, when the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and says, I want you to get involved in this situation. Fear can literally just grab us and just keep us at bay. Just literally stalemate us. Well, what does that mean? What if I, I don't want to get involved. I don't know all the details. I don't know what's going to be expected of me later. I don't know what's going to happen from this. And the next thing you know, we have rationally, just rationalized out why we can't be involved in this situation. I'm afraid that God may, may take me down a path I don't want to be. I'm afraid God might ask me to give up something that I don't want to give up. I'm afraid that God might ask me to, uh, I, whatever it is i mean we all kinds of dueling voices come into our minds that says this is the reason why you shouldn't get involved in this situation and so what happens is we don't we don't just like paul said i want to do those things but then as soon as i say i want to do them it seems like the flesh takes over and i can rationalize why i'm not going to do it. fear could be one inconvenience could be one we're on schedules right we're on schedules We've got to get to work. We've got to get our kids here and there. We've got to get all these things that, that, that's taking up our schedule. We've got to get it accomplished. We've got to get all those things lined up. You see, what can happen is we become, and, and you know this, you've read this, you've studied this, that one of the biggest things that can pull you down in your relationship, in your um, in your connection with God, your your. Your fellowship, your closeness with God is a good old fashioned busy life. You don't have to be sinning. You can just be busy. And the next thing you know, you just miss out on the things that God wants, God wants to do in and through you because we have our lives, right? We have our lives and they can't, they can't be interrupted. We've got things we've got to do. We've got commitments that we've made. And all along, this is what I'm saying. Perhaps we need to go back to Luke 9:23 and say, am I denying myself? What is it in my life that keeps me so busy? What is it in my life that, that has me to a point to where I can't make any diversions? I can't make any allotments when the Holy Spirit comes into my life. Some of us may like to control our schedules so much that it just freaks us out to think, well, I can't have anything pop in. I need to manage that. I need to be aware of this stuff. Whereas God just kind of sits back and I think He kind of chuckles at times thinking, man, you've got some learning to do and we're going to work on it. And we become in conflict. We become miserable because God keeps putting on the pressure and we we get miserable. We get frustrated. And it's very evident because everybody around us becomes frustrated with us because we're a frustrated individual. And a lot of it is we have these dueling voices going on inside of us where God's saying... This is where, this is where I want you to go and we fight it. We rationalizing it out. It could be fear. It could be inconvenience. It could be our schedules. It could be all kinds of different things that we have these dueling voices taking place. But guys, I want to share something with you. I want us to read the rest of the story here. Because when Jesus sat down and he started having conversation with this woman, this outcast, this half-breed, this person who deserves judgment, this person who is living her life in sin, who has lived her life in sin, right? I want you to read the rest of the story. If you would turn over to uh, the next part, uh, it, it found in verse. I'm going to verses um, thirty-nine through forty-two. I want you to listen to what happened after this woman had an encounter with Jesus. Okay, are you listening? And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. You want to talk about, as Paul Harvey used to say, for you older people, I don't know who Paul Harvey is, but I'm just using this as an example, okay? And now the rest of the story. A woman, an outcast, who is going to the well in the middle of the afternoon when it's so stinking hot, because she doesn't want to be around anybody that's going to judge her, and make her feel even more or less loved than she already feels gets her life turned around by the Messiah, by Jesus. She comes back, and for some reason, the people listen to her. A woman with no testimony, but they listen to her. And she goes into her town, and she begins to share what has happened. I found Jesus. This Messiah that we all talk about, this Messiah that's going to come in and it's going to save us all, that's going to be the Savior of the world, I have found Him. This surely has to be Him because this guy knows everything about me. This guy knows everything about me. They listened to her. I don't know why, but they listened to her. Could it be perhaps that it was already God-ordained? That all God was kind of... All God was doing just to kind of put the people in place so that all this would fall right into place and happen. And so they listened to her. They go out. They begin to talk to Him. And many more people became saved. Many more people started to believe and say, this is the Messiah. Many more people, if we could say this, they they began to deny themselves. They began to pick up their crosses and follow Him. What an incredible ending of a story. And they say to her, "You know what? It's not really because of your testimony anymore and, and I don't think it's because they were being demeaning to her. they were simply saying, "We believe in him. He is the savior of the world." What an incredible story. The point I'm making is this: God wants to use every single one of us, and we don't know what is going to happen on the other side. You may be one of the individuals that speaks into someone that's going to go and change some, going to go and create, create like a domino effect. You have no clue how God is going to use you and what the implications of that is. Does that make sense? You're going to hear this hopefully in a couple of weeks, but let me ask you this question. Who's the person that ministered to the individuals that ended up becoming the family of Billy Graham? Right? Well, you say, "Well, it was his father and mother." Well, who who witnessed to them? Well, their parents. Trace it back. Where was it that someone made a decision? We talked about the Prabhakars, right? Miriam, and 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 her husband. And I forget his name. Forget his name real quick. Richard, Miriam, and Richard Prabhakar. They came from families. One of them was Hindu. The other was Muslim. Who ministered to the people? The generations behind behind Miriam and Richard. That changed the their their great grandparents or whoever it was, that the, they became Christians, they started following Jesus, and then it trickles down, and now we are able to look at this the, the, the incredible impact that, that that it had on a Miriam and Richard Prabhakar, who is doing who uh Richard's passed away now, but who's done himself has done did incredible work developing a hospital in India as well, and now she continues on with this this ministry. How many lives were touched? We, we talk about Richard Miriam. We talk about Billy Graham. We talk about Helen Keller. Who was the Ann Sullivan? Who witnessed the Ann Sullivan? Who witnessed to someone where a person by the name of Ann Sullivan would spend time ministering to someone who couldn't see or hear? I don't know about you, but I think that would be a pretty difficult job. But Ann Sullivan's heart was moved. Who was the one that sat at the well And minister to Ann Sullivan. And trace it back. Guys, who are you going to minister to this week? If you are. How do you know who you're not going to be talking to? Or whatever it is that God may be calling you to do. Are you going to get wrapped up so much in your schedule? So much in, in, in your life? In yourself? Are you going to buy into the hollow philosophies of the world? where it says this is what success is, this is what it means to be happy, and we get sucked into that, right? When all along it doesn't provide happiness, it creates more stuff for us to do so that we can sustain what we thought would make us happy, but it's really not making us happy, right? You ever notice, just real quick, how our technology, you know, it makes things easier, right? But when you really think about it, it has increased our workloads like crazy, right? Let me give you an example. How about emails? There was a day when emails were just something that was just going to be kind of convenient to like zip off to somebody, right? And say, da-da-da-da. Let me ask you a question. Someone emails you. Is there an expectation of the time that you're going to get back to them? Yes, there is. If you don't know that, you've got a lot of people ticked off at you, right? Someone emails you with a question, they're expecting it kind of that day, right? If not within the hour texting these things are supposed to be you know there was a time where texting and emails was just you could just sit down and just blast something out not really thinking about it. now these things have become like modes of communication to where you almost have to have i mean you can't spell things wrong and stuff like that you look at you like who's this guy man they use like all caps or you know that has run on sentences and things like that you know that's what it was designed it was just a quick thing now it's increased our workload You can get more done now because you got these conveniences. You get people that have two or three cell phones on them at a time. It's like this was supposed to be convenient. That's the world we live in. And that's the world that sometimes starts permeating our thoughts. And we buy into it. We buy into it. And that is the world that keeps you and I from listening to the Holy Spirit in our lives at times to say, I need you to get involved in this situation right here. I need you to move. I need you to pick up your cross. I need you to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and reach out to this person. How do we do that? Jesus says, I think Jesus says it, pegs it in John 14. He says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's pretty stiff, isn't it? If you say you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells within you, and will be in you. Jesus was telling his uh, in that passage where he the first part of that passage he's saying, "Don't be troubled, man. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. But don't you got to look, you've got to get the bigger picture here. I'm leaving. But when I leave, my Father's going to send somebody to be your helper." Because I'm leaving, the Father's gonna send His Spirit. The Spirit, our Spirit. I'm gonna become, we're all gonna become one. And His, this Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the one that lives inside of each and every one of us when we receive this gift of grace and salvation. This, this, this Holy Spirit comes in and it takes up residence within our lives. And that is the power. Paul talks about that's the power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the resurrection power, the dunamis power. That's the power that lives inside of us to, to be able to, 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 to live this life that, that God is calling us to. But it also leads us into righteousness, as Jesus would go on to say. He leads us into righteousness. He shows us what's right and wrong. He corrects us. He, he enables us to see what the journey is here. He, he leads us. That's how we're able to defeat dueling voices. We begin to discover what the one voice is, which is the Holy Spirit. We say, this is the voice I'm going to listen to. How do we compete with others? We follow that one voice. When the Spirit leads, we follow. When the Spirit leads, we move. When the Spirit leads, we pick up our cross, we move. We move. We're mobilized. We move. This isn't like, yeah, someone else will do it. And here's another thing, guys. Let me just share with you this very quickly. When the Holy Spirit moves in your life, I hope you understand that's your assignment. That's not mine. That's not your wife's or your husbands or your kids or the people around you. That's your assignment. God is asking you to pick up your cross, to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. He wants to use you. You are going you are instrumental. You are you have been created uniquely to be assigned. This this job and gifted uniquely to be to be assigned these things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through your life. The question is, the million dollar question is, are you going to listen? Are you going to listen? One of the writers in the New Testament says, be very careful not to squelch the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Don't bring him Grief. Don't continue to deny Him because after a while, I think there can become a point to where it's hard to hear the voice of the Spirit because we become so used to just saying, "Mm, no, 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 no. This is an inconvenience. This is an inconvenience. Guys, I don't understand how that is resolved with the verse of Luke 9.23 that says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. We follow. We follow. We follow the question becomes, it's this ten-second rule, will we follow? When we hear the voice, the prompting of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we're prepared. We're going to hear dueling voices. We're prepared for that. We, we, we understand that's what's going to take place. But instead of rationalizing it out, we take a step and we follow. As the worship team comes, I just want to lead us into a word of prayer. and just want to ask God that He would enable us, or he, He's enabled us, but give us the courage to, to pick up and take hold of the power that He gives us and the ability to, to resist the the our flesh, resist the influences of the world, and follow Him. Well, why don't you stand and let me lead us into a word of prayer. Jesus, There are many sitting in here this morning that their hearts are very sincere, and they get. But we get caught up, and we lose sight at times. As they say, we get caught up in the weeds, and we we get distracted. Father, I pray that you would just pull us up out of the weeds. I pray that you would help us to. to Recognize the voice of your Spirit. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to follow His promptings. Father, I pray that we would be people that wouldn't ask questions, but we would just move. We would mobilize. We would become your hands and your feet. Father, that we would minister where you want us to minister regardless if we see it regardless if we don't see it regardless of 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 just all kinds of things that we may want to ask father that we would just put those humanly things behind us and that we would just pick up our cross we would deny ourselves pick up our crosses and follow you daily and father may we be drawn back to to that daily word the word daily help us to stay in the present Help us, like you said, not to focus on tomorrow, not to focus on the future so much, and focus on the daily part of this. Daily. Today, would you help us, as we leave this place, to deny ourselves, to pick up our crosses, and follow you. I pray this morning, Father, that as you move in the hearts and lives of each and every one of us, that we would respond to you the way you would want us to respond right now. Father, we know that You're a, graceful, a gracious and merciful God. You, we know, Father, that when we have slipped, when we have denied, when we have failed, when we have, we have inadvertently caught in, caught, got caught up in the world philosophies, that You're there to forgive us and to, and to, and to uh, just give us a, a just a refilling, a renewing. And so I pray, Father, right now, that we would just respond to You in the way You would have us to respond. May we worship you with all, with our entire being right now. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.